didn't really even touch on that subject. I'll consider it more our stewardship, more of a believer's attitude towards temporal things, material blessings. And the material blessings are not evil. They're not evil in and of themselves. What, what God is always interested in is the heart of man. And our attitude towards Him, and our attitude towards, towards other people in the church and out of the church, and our attitude towards things, things that we, whether they have much or little at any given time, our attitude towards that. So we're spending a few weeks just talking about this. And I believe it's, it's something that I have not, since our church started a little over a year and a half ago, we have not, uh, not felt the liberty up until this time to preach this. And so I'm preaching it now, and I know that's what the Lord has for us right now. If you would, we're going to look at two scriptures. You can turn to uh, Luke chapter 6. We're going to read one scripture, and then we'll be prepared to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's all turn to Luke 6, verse 38. Probably could quote this, but we're going to turn here. Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken and shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, or that means that's all archaic word, for the same measure that you uh, measure out yourself and give, with all it shall be measured unto you again. So keep that scripture in mind. Jesus speaks the truth. He is the truth when He says it. It's the truth. You can build your life upon it. The only one that speaks that you can actually build your life upon would be the Word of God. And He says right here, Give and it shall be given unto you. That's what He tells us. That's what His Word says. And that is a spiritual truth. That is a spiritual principle. And this is one of many Scriptures that are along the same uh, theme or the same idea from God. Uh, I want you to turn now and I'll look at a real life example in 1 Kings chapter 17. Again, I always like to make the point to say it's not a story from 1 Kings or from anywhere in the Bible unless the Bible says it's a parable or a story. This is an account of a real man just like you and me. In fact, the Bible says in James, Elijah was a man of like passions like we are. Just a human being. This is a real experience he had in his life and a real uh, walk with God that was an amazing thing. But I want us to read this in 1 Kings chapter. 17, let's pick up in verse 8 and, and just understanding what was going on. We talked about it a little bit last week. There was a no rain because God was bringing a judgment upon Israel because of their sin, trying to get their attention. And he used this man, Elijah, to make the prophecy. According to my word, it's not going to rain until I say so again. So the Lord shows me to pray that prayer. And so things suffer. Life suffers. People suffer because of no rain and drought. And they're wondering how they're going to survive and they're going to keep their livestock alive and that kind of thing. And so, but Elijah's taken care of. In other words, we talked about it last week. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God's man, his woman, his person is God's responsibility. In other words, you give your life to Christ, he purchased you. You belong to Him. It's His responsibility, which He's well able to do, to take care of you. When you're in the will of God, He sends you to Africa where there's no money and there's no clean water and there's no this and there's no that and there's disease run rampant, whatever. But He sent you there and you know 
without a shadow of a doubt that Almighty God sent you there, you are His responsibility. He will take care of you and provide everything you need, including clean water, everything you need until He's ready to call you home. You are His responsibility. Amen? And that's not being presumptuous or boastful. That's being trusting. He's a Heavenly Father. Remember we looked at it last week. Jesus said to His disciples when He sent them out on a quick little mission trip, cast out devils and freely receive, freely give and, and preach this gospel. And, and they come back to Him and they're all excited. He said, well, when you went out, when I sent you out without script or money or purse or two coats, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. I just love that. One word. Did you lack anything? When I sent you out in my will, in my name, and you were in my will, were you missing anything? Nothing. We didn't lack anything. I just praise God for that. Let's look at Elijah. He's in the will of God. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this is when the drought was going on, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, that would have been a scarce commodity, right? But he asked it. And as she was going to fetch it, so she's being obedient and being helping Elijah, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said that this just gives you a snapshot of the, uh, the dire con conditions. What she's about to say shows you the, the circumstances of life at this time. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Okay? That, that's her reply. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake when first. Make me a little cake first. Now, Elijah's not God, but in this uh, account, I would say he's, he's the man of God, and, and we could see a teaching from this. Make me a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, make it for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. That's what we have to hang on to, y'all. What does God say? What does God say in 2019? What does he say in Baton Rouge? What does he say in America right now? What does he say in your family, in your home, in your circumstances? What is God saying? That's what we have to hear. We're done if we can't hear from God. We have to be able to hear his voice. We have to. And I thank God he's a good shepherd. And he says he speaks to his sheep and we hear. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and, her, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Okay, so that is a, a biblical truth that that we can see. I believe what, you, what we quoted from, what we read from Luke chapter 6 about give that shall be given unto you. We saw a real life example of that. And a lot of you could testify and raise your hand and say, I've seen real life examples of that in my own life. And you're going to. Because I'm the Lord, I change not. 
And he's no respecter of persons. And what he did for Elijah, he'll just as easily and gladly do for Sherry and Eric Cheney and, and Susan Quinn. He'll do for all of us because he's a faithful God. But this is a spiritual truth. We don't just see the miracle that God did with the bread and the food and the oil not, not running out. She only had a handful of meal in a barrel and a little bit of cruise in oil. But somehow or another, it lasted until God ended the famine, the flood, and the, I mean the famine and the drought and, and restored you know, food in other ways, provision in other ways. It lasted. There was a miracle, but there's also a principle of, of God that's taught here, I believe. And it's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of giving to God by faith what He has given to us. Whether we think we have a lot Somebody like Abraham who was greatly blessed by God and had much to give, or David you know, when he was king, or giving little like this woman had. She literally, I'm going to get two sticks, I'm going to make one little fire, enough to make one little biscuit, okay? And my son and I are going to eat it, and after that, whenever we die, we die because that's it as far as the food goes. And, but we see given to God by faith as He directs us to give. Not haphazardly, not out of our own uh, you know, feelings or emotions, but as God moves and directs and leads and instructs. So it's a matter of giving what we've received from God back to God. Faithfully and joyfully. So we're talking about our attitude and the believer's attitude in our material possessions. And there's just everything that we have, the Bible says we have from God. And I'll just paraphrase or quote this from 1 Corinthians 4. What hast thou that thou did not receive? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. He's just saying, what do you have that you didn't receive from God? You have it because God gave it to you. He didn't give us sin, but everything else we have, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. So there's no room for boasting. There's no room for being stingy and hanging on to it. I really got it because God gave it to me. And He gave it to me for a purpose. We're passing through this life in a very short time we'll be looking at Jesus face to face. Remember Wednesday nights we've been talking about it? I think we should always talk about it. We should talk about the fact that this, this world is a passing fleeting. But how we live it in this passing fleeting time is very important. That you live for God and I would live for God completely. So we're provoking one another and we're going to His Word constantly and in prayer to help us walk this life that He's called us to and He helps us to do it. But it's a matter of placing what we have and what we've been entrusted with back into the hands of the Lord and then trusting Him because He's faithful and good to us because uh, it's what He desires. It's what the way the Lord is called his people called by His name, washed in His blood. That's how He's called us to live. We're not building up bigger treasures and, and castles upon the earth. It's not what we're called to do. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of giving back as the Lord leads us. It's what He requires of His people. It's what He desires of His people. And because He will and promises to bless us, to bless our lives when we live that way. And so... Uh, I want to look at this real quickly in John chapter 16. I'm sorry, John chapter 6. Turn with me if you would. We know this story, this account. 
This is one of the accounts of multiplying the fish and the loaves. Just real quickly, John 6, verse 8. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad which has five barley with has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make them men sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so all the men sat down in numbers about five thousand. So just the men was five thousand. You can figure where we can try to estimate how many people might have been there total. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as so as many as they would. And they were all filled. He said unto them, Get to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And so they gather up the fragments, and they're, they're filling up baskets, 12 baskets full of the leftovers. So you start with uh, five loaves of bread, and two fish, and they end up with 12 baskets full just of the leftovers, not counting what was eaten. We, we obviously see the miracle of the Lord can provide. Amen. The Lord can multiply. But the key here, and one of the keys here, is to take what you have and put it in God's hands. There's a lad here. He's got five loaves of bread, and he has two fish. It's not nearly enough to feed these people. That's true. But it is enough if you put it into God's hands. It is enough if you place it into the hands of Jesus who offered it up to his father and blessed it and they break the bread. And guess what? Lo and behold, there's enough food for everybody there. And to sit now pick up the scraps. So everybody's ate and was filled. Now they take up the leftovers and there's 12 baskets left. Yes, it's a miracle, but there's also a principle of taking what God has given you. He could have said, no, this is my food. I got five loaves of bread and I have two fish and I got a big family. Here's my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad and my friends. And I got enough just for us, the 12 of us or, or whatever over here. He could have done that, but he took what he had and he brought it to the disciples. The disciples bring it to Jesus. Jesus offers it to the Father. Everybody's taken care of. It's, it's a principle. It's taught in the word of God. And so we see it. I need to learn it. Okay, I need to learn it. I am learning it, have learned it, and is still learning it. But that's a teaching. And what is the believer's attitude towards our possessions? Uh, what should the, our, our attachment be to material things? I'm not saying sinful things. I'm saying material things. Okay? Your car out in the parking lot. It's not sinful. What's your attachment to it? Uh, we earn. Think about money, for example. We earn, we spend, we save, we give, we manage. But all of it belongs to God. All of it belongs to God. Every penny, every, everything belongs to the Lord. And that, that widow woman, and we'll talk about her more maybe in one of these upcoming messages, but the, it was given the money and she gave her only two mites that she had. You know, a few pennies into the offering plate. She could have said, this is all I have. I'm going to hang on to it. The widow woman that sustained... Elijah, that the Lord used to sustain Elijah through the famine. She could have said, I'm sorry, but we need every calorie we can get, every morsel of bread. You're going to have to find it somewhere else. I'm responsible for my son, and you know, I've got to take care of him. I'm not going to give a little cake to you, Elijah. We, she could have done that. We wouldn't be still talking about her today if she had. God commanded a widow, widow woman to take care of him. Isn't that something? God commanded the ravens 
to bring him food in morning and evening, and they drink from the brook, and he commanded a widow woman to sustain him. He can provide however he wants to, and he does provide. Just listen to this. We know the passage. Lay not up for yourselves, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's not a question of the wealth. It's a question of the heart. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. And that's what the Lord is after. As soon as you and I would try to hold on to our possessions at all costs, and just at all costs, I've got to keep this. This is mine. Mine, mine. I want to hang on to it. And as, soon as, as sure as we try to do that, as sure as we're going to lose it. The surest way to have it and to, to have treasures in heaven where there are eternal treasures, okay, is to take what we have and joyfully, by faith, give it back into God's hands. Like the little boy with the fish in the loaves, okay? And so we see this, to invest our material good and entrust it to God and to His service, to His eternal work, which has eternal rewards for our life. I need to be reminded of this. You know why? Because I'm a human. And I still, though I have the nature of Christ in me and I'm born of His Spirit and the Holy Ghost is in me, I'm living in a fallen world of sin and the world is telling me everything contrary to that. And even if the world says give something away, it's only to draw attention to yourself to look at what a big giver I am. You know, it's still all for self. But God is teaching me something different. And... It's to entrust him, okay? So it's not a question, y'all, of of possessing a lot or possessing a little. That's not the issue here. And some people might try to make it that. We've talked about some of this, uh, uh, you know, liberation theology and economic liberation theology that the socialists promote and all that. Try to pit the rich against the poor. You know, it's, it's rich people's fault. They should give it all to the poor. But Christ isn't involved in their message at all. It's just pitting people against each other. It's evil, according to them, to be rich. You know, there's something actually, uh, you know, admirable about being poor. And that's really not biblical. What is biblical is to be totally generous and kind and giving as God prompts and leads. That is of the Lord. And a poor person can, I always say this, a poor person can be wicked and, and selfish and greedy. They just want more and they'll do whatever they can to get it. And a rich person could be the same way. A poor person can be content with what they have and a rich person can be content with what they have and very giving as well. And it's a question of the heart. And it's a question of our attachment or attitude towards your or my possessions. Do my possessions and worldly goods, uh, do I take them and do they have their proper place in my heart and in my life? It's very important, y'all. And I believe that the more that we can see them as being from God and really putting them there, the more He'll entrust us with. You've heard it said before. I remember John used to say it all the time about Glory House and, and all the money that came past through Glory House keeping the doors open and keeping it running. If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. 
and you know you can't outgive God and things like this. And it's absolutely true. Do I see my possessions as being uh, gifts from the Lord, which He's made me steward over for a period of time, or do I just see them as being mine? End of, end of story. That's mine. This is mine. Period. Or do we see it as being this is what God has blessed me with, entrusted me with for a period of time. I'm a steward over it and I need to place it in, as he, he directs me. Again, not haphazardly, not just what, you know, you got those cried when you saw, you know, the animals without a shelter and you gave all your money. I'm talking about really being led by the Lord and using it for, for God's glory. And it can be used for God's glory. The littlest fish and loaves can be used for God's glory. Two mites in a widow's hand, a little handful of meal. It can be used for God's glory. Alright? And He wants us to, to use it for His glory. Have you ever heard this? Do your possessions possess you? To where the, they actually have you. They have a hold on your heart. They are what's important to you. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if my treasure is my possessions, that's where my heart's going to be fixed on that. And even if it's only a little bit, it's all, and I want to hang on to it at all costs. It's going to steer me away from God. He's going to break me of it. He's going to deal with me. Uh, you might have heard of Corey Tim Boom. And uh, she, she was the one that was a Christian, her and her family that helped Helped the uh, Jews escape the Jewish, I mean, the Nazi persecution during World War II. And they were actually caught by the Nazis and put in prison just like the Jews for doing that. And uh, she, she just made a comment that she learned to hold on to things in life very loosely. So it didn't, have, it didn't, didn't hurt so much when God had to pry her fingers off of it. Hold on to things very loosely. Uh, now we lay hold on eternal life, okay? But I'm talking about things. It's all passing. I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm saying what you do with it is very important. Does it possess you or do you possess it as a, as a gift from God, on loan from God basically for a period of time? It does matter, okay? It does matter. Um, it's Again, it's not a, a question. Keep this in mind. Oh, it's a sin to be rich or it's a sin to be poor. No, it's a sin to be greedy. It's a sin to be covetous. It's a sin to be selfish. It's a sin to disobey God when He tells you to, to give or to not trust Him. Okay? And do, do I love them? Do I love my possessions? Do I trust them for my future security? Because He can take it away in a moment. I don't care what the economist says and how stable gold is right now, okay? He can take it away in a bat of an eye, in the blink of an eye. And so I cannot trust those. And, and we're not to look to riches to be our happiness, to be our security, to fulfill our lives. It won't. Christ will. He opens His hands and satisfies the desire of every living thing. That's what the Bible says. Who does? Jesus does. The Lord does. He satisfies the desire of every living thing. It's not the point of wealth. It's the point of, of generous or, or greedy. As I said, selfish or generous. Discontent or content. And so, um, Jesus even said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Listen to this. For a man's life consists not 
and the abundance of the things which he possesses. I mean, that couldn't be more clear, right? There's a period right there. Beware of covetousness. He's not saying don't be rich or don't be poor. He's saying take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. I've got more, so I'm more. I'm more happy, I'm more secure, I'm more powerful, I've got more. That's totally the way the world looks at it. Satan wants to keep that little lie spinning in people's brains. That's why people are not robbing liquor stores, okay? That's why people are on white-collar crime on Wall Street. It's never enough. Solomon said the eyes of man are never satisfied. But God satisfies me if I'll turn to Him. He'll totally satisfy me. I have peace. I have contempt. Let's look at this Scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Read with me. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through uh, 12. But godliness with what? Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You ever heard a little joke? I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul behind it. They're not taking it with them, okay? And having food and raiment, let us there be there with content. For they that will be rich, and it's a question of the will, see there? They that will be rich. In other words, that's what they're pursuing. They've, where the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these other things will be added unto you. They that will be rich, they're seeking first, how can I get wealthy? It's all that I'm about. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare up and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. This is getting serious. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's actually better phrased the, the root of all kinds of evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, wherewith thou art also, whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good witness before many witnesses, or profession. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth. Well, I'm just going to stop there at verse 12. What are we to pursue after? What are we not to pursue after? It's hard for a rich man to go to heaven, but it's not impossible. It's hard. Why would it be hard for a rich man to go to heaven? It's hard because they, get, they begin to trust in their wealth. A couple of things. They love it so much, and, it's, and, and they might say, I don't have need of Jesus. I've got my health, my wealth. I've got everything I could possibly want. Why do I need Jesus? So they could trust in that. But the, as I said, the Bible can take it away. But what's impossible with men is possible with God. He's, and he says that in context with that is how hardly a rich man will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying it's impossible. He's saying what's, what is impossible with men is possible with God. There are rich men in the Bible that were godly. I think of Abraham. For example, the Lord blessed him with much. Job had a lot. Then the Lord took it all away and he blessed him with more in the latter end of his life. And so we see with the rich young ruler, though, a good example. When Jesus said to him, sell what you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he says, you'll have riches in heaven. You have treasures in heaven. And the man was even asking him, 
what am I lacking for eternal life? So he knew he was asking the right question. He was asking the right person. He got the right answer. All that was right. But it says he left and he went away sad because he had great possessions. And so there's a perfect example of, of a wealthy person who clung so much to their wealth. And it's just like um, Paul said to Timothy, there are people that have erred from the faith. There are people that have fallen into perdition because of their love for their material things. This would be a warning from the Lord. And whether you have much or little or in between, to not trust in those things. Okay, and I just want to, uh, there's, there's the parable of the, the rich farmer, right? Who in one, uh, in a moment, his crops just brought forth so abundantly. We know the parable. And Jesus called him a fool because he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I'll just kick back for the rest of my life. I've got so much stored up. I'm good. All this hard work is over. I'm on easy street. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. He literally says. And Jesus said, you're a fool. Because this night, your soul is going to be required of you. Then who's going to get all those things that you stored up in your big barns? He says, so is everybody. It's not just the farmer who is uh, rich in this world, but not rich towards God. That's the key. Being rich towards God. And I just want you to hear this. This uh, Proverbs 23 Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Okay? So you just picture it. This guy's worked all his life. He's finally hit the jackpot. He's finally can retire or whatever. And he just, it was his whole life, his whole pursuit. Please don't think I'm saying don't work hard, study hard, you know, pursue after a good job. And think. I'm saying in all of it, be led by God. Let Him have it all. You keep what He allows you to keep. You give what He has you to give. And it's all His. And He's not requiring too much if He asks you to give it all. Like the handful of meal. That was all she had. The two mites. That was all she had. And so uh, they're going to spread wings and fly away those riches if you set your heart upon it. And so the Lord wants us, and I'll be uh, kind of focusing in on this now, the Lord wants us to do a work in our lives. I'm praying He does through these messages, in part, or you know, at least increases it. Because I don't think you're going to hear anything you didn't already know as a believer. But I pray that God would use it to provoke you and teach you and, and me as well to be more um, surrendered of, of all of our things, yielded to the Lord in all things, in our giving, in whatever it may be, to have the right attitude towards our wealth, our, our poverty, or whatever we have. The Lord wants to do a work in our hearts in which we, first of all, trust Him to be our provider. We talked about that last week. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, or through Christ Jesus. So there's a wonderful scripture, Philippians 4.19, highlight it, hang on to it. He's our provider, Jehovah Jireh. He also wants to do a work in our lives where we see that all that we have is from Him. I didn't just get this. Well, I got this myself. I worked hard for this. Yes, you did. Who gave you the power and the wisdom and intelligence to do that and to make that money? Who enabled you to do it? You understand the point? It all comes from the Lord. It all comes from God. It's all supplied from Him to us. 
And I want to just give these scriptures real quickly. It's, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 8.18 For it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. Isn't that a good scripture? Remember the Lord. When you get in the promised land, He was warning them before they got there. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. You're going to live in houses you didn't even have to build. You're going to take over other people's houses because I'm driving out the Canaanites before you and you're going to possess their houses and eat from their vineyards. It's just going to be wonderful. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. I need to remember that. Okay? And you and I need to remember that. And so it all comes from Him and it all needs to be placed back into His hands. And we need to see our possessions, like I said, our car, our homes, our bank account, our clothes, food in the, in the pantry, savings account. We have to see it all as being from God and as some means by which God is glorified. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The only thing that's going to last after this earth's burn up is going to be what was truly done for God. Right? And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of the Father abides forever. And those works follow us, the Bible says. And those works are going to, uh, that are truly done for the Lord. So it's all as a means of, of glorifying the Lord. It's all from him and it's all for him. He is the rightful owner of my cars and my possessions and my home and my clothes. And God certainly wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. He's not trying to take all your joy away. I'm talking about vacations or a nice car or whatever God blesses you with, a nice meal, whatever He blesses you with. It's not that He doesn't want you to enjoy it. Just make sure you really get it. That Those things are not going to be my idols. I don't live for those things. I live for God. I'm not... I'm not going to be to where God has to break my fingers to get my hand open to give to somebody. Oh, I was saving that for Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Well, no, I want you to give it to Ruth and Chris over here, you know, that don't have any money right now. And, and to where He doesn't have to break our hands to, to, to get our hands off of it. And so, um, look at this in Luke. Y'all turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Because I want us to talk about our being stewards. It's a question of being stewards over our possession. What does that word even mean? We're going to look at that. Luke chapter 16, 1 and 2. And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear of this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest no longer be steward. We're just going to stop there. The point of this is, Jesus was teaching something here from this parable that we're to be good stewards of what we have. And he gives this parable about a man that was called in to question by his master who had made him steward over certain goods. What is this I hear about you? You have not been a good steward of all of what I blessed you with. You better come give account of yourself because you may not be steward anymore. That's just the point of, of this. And the word steward, y'all, it means uh, like uh, um, if it's a verb, it means like to administrate or to manage. If it's a noun, it means to be a good steward would be someone who is a manager of an estate. That's what it means. An administrator, an overseer of a house. 
as an employee, as a physical agent, as a treasurer. That's literally what it means. And Paul says, moreover, it is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. Okay, so just keep these simple truths in mind. It is required by who? By God. That a man, the steward be faithful. Faithful to who? To God. Faithful to God who blessed us. Okay? Our faithfulness to God as being a good steward over material things is very important to the Lord. It's very important to the Lord. Don't separate and say, well, that's, that's my finances. That's my bank account. That's my checkbook. That's, that's business. That's work. That's this. This is my spiritual life over here. No, that is your spiritual life. It's all His. And it all belongs to Him. And you and I need to be good stewards of what we have. And our faithfulness and our stewardship, whether you see it, whether you see it in my life or I see it in your life, we may or may not. You know, maybe to some degree we will. But God sees it. It's very important to the Lord, our stewardship to the Lord. And I know I was going to talk about this in probably next week's sermon, but I do want to mention it even here, and I'll mention it again next week. Parents that have smaller children, okay? It's important for you to teach them how to give. It's important for you to teach them how to give, that they grow up knowing how to give unto God and, and not just cling on to everything. If, if, I mean, we would teach our boys, if somebody gives you $20 for a birthday present when you're a little kid or $10, Two of that belongs to the Lord. You know, and you give more than that as God leads you. But we, as soon as they understood that, before, you know what I mean? That was something that I believe needs to be taught to our children that they grew up knowing that. Not saying well, when they're old and they got plenty of money and they're comfortably paying all their bills, then we'll start talking about that. No, you're not going to be, ever be comfortable and pay your bills if you don't do it. All right, that's next week's sermon. So I got ahead. Um, but I want to move back to this, and I'm going to be bringing this to a close. But that God would teach us the lesson that number one, He's our provider for all times, for all of His people, in every circumstance, in every situation, for as long as we need providing for, He is our provider. If that famine had gone on and that drought, it was three and a half years with no rain. What if it had gone 13 and a half years? God would have still provided for His man and for His people. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Remember last week? I'm young, I was young, now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken. Never. Nor God's seed begging bread. And He said His seed are going to be blessed. He's ever merciful and lends, and His seed's going to be blessed. So that's number one. And then He calls us as His redeemed. Every, we belong to Him, bought by His blood. What we have belongs to Him given to us as stewards. We're not out-and-out out owners. Even of our children. You know, at some point, uh, you would do well, and I would do well to learn, to give them to God. To really give them, really in our heart of heart, to give them to God. I think you'll be a better parent, actually, if you do that. To give them to God. Put them in God's hands. Even though you're the steward of them, you're still the one that's going to take care of them because God's called you and enabled you to do it for this period of life. To really, though, put them in God's hands. At some point, He's going to call them. And He's going to use them for His glory. What if He calls them to be a martyr at a young age? You understand what I'm saying? Put them in God's hands and know that they're going to be well kept. 
And that's where they need to be. Put your children in God's hands. Put everything you have in God's hands. He wants us to be grateful for what we have. He wants us to be thankful. Don't ever let the blessing to become or overshadow the blesser or the giver, ever. And God will, will require that of us. He'll teach us, not that we're not his child anymore, but he'll teach us. And if he can teach us like in a sermon like this and through everyday living, it's a lot better than taking some drastic thing. Like I said, it break my fingers off of something I didn't want to let go. It hurts. It's a lot better just to learn this and day by day, just live for God, give to God, give back what you've been given. Um, again, if we, the motto to live by, if there was such a thing, whole Bibles are to live by, but Matthew 6.33, about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's God, His kingdom, His righteousness. That's all I'm to concern myself with. And all these other things shall be added unto you. Who's going to do it? God. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the fowls of the air. You know, and, and He's able to do it. And we're more valuable than those things. We're, chil we're children of God. And He has made us stewards of what He's given us. Stewards, y'all think about this. We're stewards of His grace. We've been given grace and mercy and forgiveness. We ought to be good stewards of grace and mercy and forgiveness towards others. Sinful people, lost people, or saved people that have offended us and hurt us. Good stewards of it. He's made us stewards of our homes, our material goods. We ought, to, we ought to be good stewards of that. If you open up your home for people, you'll say, well, my home's not really this nice or that. I'm not talking about like it's not fixed up yet or something. You don't have plumbing that works. I'm talking about like, do you, are we giving, are we opening up for God's glory as he, would, as he would lead us to? Good stewards of our children, good stewards of our bodies and the health that we have. You have help to, to bend down and do something and help somebody where somebody else can't because their back's hurt and they can't lift it. And I have the health to do it. I should be a good steward of my health and my body and help out because God could take away, give me back pain. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's being a good steward of what we have. And I'll tell you a big one as we close is be a good steward of our time. Am I being a good steward of my time? I'm greatly convicted about this. Federico gave me a book that I'm reading right now about the cross, the crucified life. And oh, in the last few pages I read last night, I just got hammered about, about my leisure time, you know, and things like that. It was more like, you know, it's really all God's. If He gives me that leisure time, then so be it. But how much time do I spend leisurely as opposed to sharing the gospel with somebody? Um, I'm not coming under condemnation, but I can bring before the Lord in prayer and ask Him to help me be a, be a better steward of my time for His kingdom while I'm here. And so uh, I want to close with this, y'all. Really, y'all, I'm going to go and open the altars and the prayer time even now. The scripture where Jesus says, uh, Peter comes and says, Lord, we've left all that we might, may follow you. And he says, what are we going to have? He goes, well, everybody that's left all to follow me is going to receive uh, lands and, and families and in this world and the world to come, everlasting life. When we leave all to follow the Lord, we put it all in God's hands. Again, if you're studying because you want to graduate and you want to get this job and, and have a home, those are not evil pursuits. 
Just put it all in the right place. Put it all in God's hands. And what if you had said, I want to be uh, CEO of this business and I want to make this much money. I want to retire by the time I'm 40 and all this. And you're pursuing after that. But God says, no, this is what I have for you. And you're going to live in a one-bedroom apartment with your wife and two children. And this, you're going to share a car. And this is how it's going to be because I've called you to this over here. Would you or would I be willing to say, yes, Lord? Because to say no, Lord, doesn't make much sense, does it? No and Lord don't really go together. And so it's being stewards of what we've, what we've been given. It's required among stewards that a man be found faithful. And so would y'all just stand with me this morning and ask God just to show you. I don't, I don't examine people's tithe records and things like that. And we'll get more to tithing next week and look at that biblically. But just your giving, your generosity, your heart, where is it? Where is your attachment with worldly things? Whether you have a lot or a little, what, what is the hold on your life? Does it have any hold? Or if you put it in God's hands, let God just show you. I'm not telling you. Let God deal with your heart and come to these altars. And if there's something you're hanging on to, your children, your time, your leisure time, your, your car, your possessions, and you don't want God to pull it out of your hand, you refuse to give it to God, come and give it to Him. Lay it on the altar. That's the surest way to get it back is to give it over to God. Abraham took Isaac and laid him on the altar, and that was the only way he got him back to enjoy his son. You understand what I'm saying? If he had tried to withhold him, withhold him, he would have lost him. He laid him and gave him to God. And he got his son back. He got to enjoy him all of his life in fellowship with his son and with God. It's wonderful. And so, Father, we just come before you. Lord, I don't speak at all to this, your people, as one that's arrived in this area. You have taught me many things and I'm learning. But, Lord, I speak as one needing this life lesson and work of the Holy Ghost in my heart and life as much as anyone or maybe more than anyone here. Lord, I pray that you would put upon our hearts the, the spiritual truth that number one, you are our provider. Number two, we're stewards of what you've blessed us with. And, and you require that we be faithful and good stewards of that. To lay up, not up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And help us, God, with every moment of our lives, with every penny that you've blessed us with, let us see it as being from God and for God. Would you help us this morning? Would you do this work in our lives? The youngest person to the oldest person. Do this work in our lives. Help us to be giving and spirit-led in our giving and generous. So y'all, these altars are open. Would you just come and lay it before the Lord? whatever He's leading you to. Surrender it. Maybe you just want to come and thank Him for how He has blessed you. You're just grateful that He is your provider.